Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would um, underscore things that we need to know, things that we would be glad for, things that would help us in our life. And so we're asking you to open the eyes of our understanding and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you're just joining us, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. We're a Bible uh, teaching church. And so we're, we're journeying through this book, this great book of Ephesians, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And so we've talked about, I'm just going to review a little bit here, who we are. We've started by talking about who we are. And so especially this is important when you face pain and difficulties and trials and tumultuous circumstances and you, you're facing things here, what do you do? We talked about you need to get back to who you are. So Ephesians is about our identity. One of the things we talked about is we need to sing it. We need to sing who we are. So we're going to do that at the end of this morning. And I want to challenge you to sing who you are. Because some of you don't sing much. Some of you, you're like in a rut there. I need to kind of break, you know, you get in ruts. And you're in a worship rut or a singing rut. I need to break out of your rut and sing. Because here's why. We were designed by God. We were designed by God to sing. We were designed by God to sing back to him. And your best life is found when you're singing back to him. And I get it, public place, new to church, all that. I just want to encourage you, take a next step in responding to him. So we talked about this a few weeks ago, what we were, what we are now in Christ. So we talked about what we were apart from Jesus. Spiritually, we were out there. We were lost there. Spiritually, we were disconnected from God. We were like orphans. We talked about how we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. We talked about how we were enslaved by our desires and without hope and without God. But God, the Bible said there, okay, when we come to Christ, everything changes. How awesome is that? That now we talked about you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're adopted sons and daughters. That's who you are adopted. You're, you're loved by God with an absolute crazy, audacious, scandalous love. And we talked about that. We're included in God's family. You're chosen, you're wanted, you're forgiven, you're rescued, you're alive in Christ, you're God's masterpiece, that's who you are. So come on, somebody, that's who you are. So you should be glad about that. So now, pay attention. The very first thing that God does then in your journey is he invites you into community. And here's why that's so important. Because now God takes you when you are broken in that state, okay? You come into community and now God restores you. God heals you. God builds you up. And that's what happens when you are here. So if you're new here and you're trying to figure out, you know, what does it look like to go to church or to follow Jesus? This is a great morning to be here because we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to show you why you would want to actually follow Jesus, why you would want to be a Christ follower here. Because we all show up, and it doesn't matter how good of a veneer we have, how much we can you know, pretend to have it together. The reality is this. All of us show up with some level of brokenness. All of us show up with some level of habits, hurts, hang-ups, sin, stuff, issues, we all show up with some, some issues there. And so what happens then in community, when we engage in community, 
As we're restored and we're healed of our brokenness in community. That's why you need to find a community group. So how are we restored? Well, I get it. I get it. Watch. Some of us, you got to take a step. And for you to, to find healing wholeness in community, you've got to be willing to take a step. And that's scary, especially for guys. So, and so because sometimes of our fear, we don't want to take next steps to engage in community where God has designed that we would actually find healing. And so ultimately, and I know, I know that this might, might sting a little bit, but you know what? It's meant to. Ultimately, you cannot become the person that you were intended to be unless you find community. You will never become the person God wants you to be, you want to be, you're intended to be, unless you find community. And so what I'm going to talk about this morning, I'm going to give us five deliverables that Jesus wants for you, wants for your life. It's on the backside of your notes there. And so they all happen in the context of community. So if you're a follower of Christ, you know your story God wants to restore you through what Jesus did. You've been forgiven there. And then you come into community, and that's where you come into wholeness. So uh, if you have your outlines there, you want to pull out your outlines, you can follow along there. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 1, says this. You can look at the screens, or you can have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, transitioning from the last three chapters, talking about a lot of understanding of who God is, and we love all that. It says, therefore, connecting that to now, what does that look like? The next three chapters, which are very practical, so you want to be here. Therefore, I, the prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. So he's talking to these people. People in the church in Ephesus, Paul says, you know, I've taught you, I've encouraged you, tried to inspire you. He says, now I beg you. Imagine that. There he is on his knees in jail. He says, now I'm begging you that you would get this. And I would say that I would kind of join heart with Paul then. I'd say the same thing. You know what? I'm begging you. I'm begging you this morning that you'll listen to what he said because you need this here. So literally begging, he says, live a life worthy of your calling. And you know what people think of when, when you say, live a life worthy of your calling? They think that, oh, I've got to try harder. This isn't about trying harder. Oh, I've got, to, I've got to live a life worthy of Christ dying for me. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is living a life here, living a life that simply matches who you are. In your notes there, you can fill it in the blank if you want there, is matching who you are in Christ there. It's not about earning God's love. It's not about deserving anything. It's not about trying harder. It's simply living the life that you were intended to live, that your, your daily life match who you are. The implication is many times we live in ways that doesn't match who we are. And so God gives the Holy Spirit, transforms you, gives you a new life, new hope, so you can live a new life. If anyone's in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you become a new person, a new creature designed to live a new way. So you live worthy of your new life there. And so, and what is your calling yet to follow Jesus? So go, skipping down to verse 7, because next week Andrew is going to speak on this passage. For, yeah, skipping down to verse 7. However, he has given to each one 
of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now notice he doesn't say he's given to a little select group. Notice it doesn't say he just gave to certain particular individuals or leaders. But watch. What's it say here? To each one. That means everyone, if you're a Christ follower, there's no such thing as a non-gifted Christ follower. Everyone, look at that. You need to circle that, underline that, asterisk that. Every single one is a ten at something. Do you realize that, that how God designed you, how God wired you up, that you're actually a ten at something, that you have unique spiritual gifts that God has given you. And so Paul says here, each one has a spiritual gift here. If you're a Christ follower, he gives you this gift so you can build others up. And so do you believe that? Do you, believe, do you really believe that? You know, I think a lot of people don't either, either they don't recognize it or they don't really believe it. They know it's, he, they know it's true here. They don't believe it here. Because see, if it gets here, what will happen is it'll change your life. Your life will be changed if it goes from here to here. From words on the page to reality in your heart. And many people need that. They need it to become reality. Because some of you may think, be thinking like, you know what? He's getting up there and he's just pumping sunshine. He's just blowing smoke. No, this is what the scripture says right here. It says you're a gifted person. So what he's saying is you need to start living like you're a gifted person. Many times we're gifted, we show up, and we can just get comfortable. We just get comfortable with the routines of our lives and the rhythms of our lives, and we don't live like we're gifted people. And so this means that God has given you a special giftedness from God himself. Now let me say this. I think it's important to, to recognize that we don't just have gifts, but we are gifts. Because sometimes we have an attitude like, well, I just want to use the gifts, use their gifts. No. People are gifts. We appreciate the person. We, ap we appreciate the gift in the person. And so are you living like you're a gifted person? Or are you just living? See, God here says through Paul, you need to live like a gifted person. Because it's easy to get comfy. It's easy to get into your routine there. And this is a very strong calling. So in your notes, the implications of being gifted by God, you need to act like you're a gifted person. You need, to, you need to act like you're a gifted person, which is who you are if you're a Christ follower. So where do these gifts come from? They come from, you can read about them in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. There's lists of them there. So everybody has a gift here. All of us have a gift. No such thing as a non-gifted Christ follower. But we need to let it get deep into our soul. And so that you are a gift. You're a gift to others. You're a gift to community. And Jesus wants us to live as gifted people. Think about that. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So these ones that God gave, these five here, they are, God gifts them, but he gifts them for the church for a purpose. The whole purpose is to help us, equip us, so that we can do all the works that God wants to do in the world there. So what is Jesus doing? He's tapping the leaders to lead. Christ gave to the church, so they lead, they preach, they teach. Gave to the church these people, and so uh, 
what is Jesus doing right now? He's loving, he's paying attention, he's working through them. So what are spiritual gifts in your notes? A unique, a unique one-of-a-kind gift that God downloads, God implants inside you when you become a Christ follower. And so God gives you, don't miss this, gives you an ability to help build up others, build up the church there. And so that you can be, so everyone, everyone can be a difference maker. You were intended to make a difference. And so we have these natural talents that are hardwired into us, right? Like the worship team here, they have natural talents to sing. Okay, the people here, they they have natural talents to sing. The Bible doesn't talk about uh, a spiritual gift of singing, That's just a natural talent that they have. You have natural talents. All of us do. That God hardwired into you at your birth. An expression of your DNA. But then, in addition to that, at your new birth, God downloads, God imparts, gives you spiritual gifts here by the Holy Spirit. So, what difference does it make if it's natural or spiritual? Just use your gifts for God. Like the front line here singing, the back line, using all their gifts for God there. And so it's all of your talents to be used for him. Doesn't matter if you fix things, if you're an architect or a teacher or you're an engineer, an accountant, whatever you are, just give it over to God so that God could use your gift. Maybe you're in the medical community. God can use all of our gifts there. So what are spiritual gifts? The second thing is this. It's a special ability to meet, to meet, okay, to meet the needs of people that ultimately creates community. It's a special ability God gives you to help meet the needs because there are great needs in the community. And so a community that ultimately begins to look more and more like Jesus. And so watch this, watch this. What Jesus does then is he distributes, by the Holy Spirit, distributes gifts to the community. So he's giving gifts to the community. And then you find yourself in that community. And maybe you're discouraged. Maybe it's been, it's been difficult. Your heart is broken. You need to be comforted there. And so you really need some encouragement. You feel like you want to give up. You want to give up hope. Well, whatever that need is, already in the community, God has put someone in the community to meet that need. And so, gifted people. And I think what happens in the Christian life is that, like, people will look to God, look vertically, how's God going to meet my need, when God's saying, hey, I meet your needs through the community. That's where it's met, like, horizontal. That's how I work. And so the purpose of spiritual gifts then is to create a community of followers that we're building each other up. That's God's design for the church there. And so whatever you need, Jesus is going to distribute through people. So um, I think sometimes also we can sort of fantasize like how our needs are going to be met. Like maybe you're struggling in your marriage and we think that like, how are you going to get help in your marriage Like, how's God going to help you? Like, from heaven, you know, like, shoot the heavenly taser gun, and all of a sudden you wake up, and, you know, you're playing the harp and singing love songs to your spouse there, and and you're not selfish anymore, and you're completely a new person. No. No, he works works through people 
to affect one another, and there is no plan B. So let me talk to you about five implications of spiritual gifts. Number one is this. Everyone is needed and everyone is necessary. Everyone is needed and everyone is necessary. Literally, watch, I'm better with you and I'm less without you. I'm better with you, I am less without you. By the way, I want to thank the hundred of you that help out in kids' church and in junior high and high school ministries. It's awesome. The Bible says this, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit, watch, for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. For the common good, for the common good. You know what that means? That if you're not connected, think of the implications of this. If you have a gift for the common good and you're not connected to the common good, what happens is somebody is paying a terrible price. Somebody is paying a price for your gift not coming to expression because we need your gift. We need you. I need your gift. We all need to get in the game. And the Bible paints this beautiful picture in the New Testament about how the church is a body. Church is a body with hands and feet and eyes and Jesus is the head. And God then, he works through his body. Now, track with me here. Track with me here. If you're part of the body and you're not connected in community with the body, finding real community, if your journey ends up being one of being kind of on the sidelines, a little isolated, a little separated, you know, that's kind of maybe your temperament, your personality. If that's you and you're not connected in vital community, what, what's the implications of that? You are what? You are amputated from though you're separated, you're isolated. And think about that. You know, is there anything good that comes out of that? When something's amputated, is there anything good? No, it's it's gross. It's it's ugly. So what happens when you you're separated from the body? You are what? I just told you. Gross and ugly. Now I would never say that, but since you did, so think it <laughs> Think about that. You, you don't want to live like that. So secondly, second implication of spiritual gifts is what? Expect tension. Expect tension. Now think about this. Why would there be tension? Because a couple reasons for tension. One is just, I think, uh, we're sinners. The other one is, is that we don't really understand giftedness oftentimes. We don't, we don't understand it. And so people will share with me from time to time things they don't like about the church. And they'll come up to me and they'll say things like this. Hey, you know, uh, do you want to know what's wrong with the church? I'm like, sure, I'd love to know what's wrong with the church. I could tell you all about what's wrong with the church. Do you, can we tell you what's wrong with the church? And then they'll tell me what's wrong with the church. And they'll say, you know what? The church needs more outreach. The church needs, this is what's, I said, yep, that, you're right. That's what's wrong with the church. The church needs a prison ministry. The church needs more uh, to feed the homeless. The church needs to, to reach the nursing homes. Uh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I agree with you. And you know what I love about, about that when they tell me what is wrong with the church? Is that you're all right. You're all right. It's right. It's true what you say. What I love about that is that identifies perhaps what God has put inside you. Because you're seeing what no one else has seen. 
And God's putting something inside of you and you're identifying and you actually are identifying perhaps your own spiritual gifts. I got you and you're welcome. You're welcome for that. So really, it's think about it. You're seeing what, what no one else is seeing there. And so you're identifying your own spiritual gift. And so, and I know this because there's no spiritual gift of complaining. Although some of us have exercised the gift on occasion. So what frustrates you about the church? What annoys you about the church? See, God is identifying you the, the very place where perhaps you're supposed to get involved. And so sometimes you're annoyed by something and other than me, all right, other than me. And it's like nails on a chalkboard there. And you feel, that's not right. That drives me crazy. I can't stand that there. I don't know why they don't fix that. Well, perhaps you are the answer to fix it. And so think about that next time something annoys you. Help the thing that annoys you. You, you fix the thing that annoys you, that no one else has seen. Assume that it's a call from Jesus to go to work, to get involved there. And so, third implication of spiritual gifts is this, number three in your notes, is that find your spiritual gift through trial and error, through trial and error. Sometimes you stumble your way into your gift there. Many of you, you've taken those little spiritual gift assessment, have you, taken one of, have you ever taken one of those? Many of you did that in Rooted there. So, I ought to tell you that I lost all confidence in, in those tests when my wife, Kirsten, uh, took one uh, years ago. And it came back that she had the gift of celibacy. And I lost all, that was funny, I don't care what you think. And I just made that whole thing up. I just made it up. I just made it up. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta stumble your way, stumble your way in. And so sometimes you try something, and this has happened in my own life many times. And I stunk at it. I just stunk at it. I was terrible at it. No one invited me to do it again. They're like, hey, you want to go do something somewhere else there? And so, but when you do something and it's, it's in, uh, harmonious with how God has wired you up and you're gifted, then you will like it. You'll be blessed. Other people will affirm that. And one of the things that happens is people can call out okay, what they see God equipping you with. Other people can call that out. They'll call out what they see in you and affirm that in you there. So there's all these spiritual gifts, gifts of administration and discernment and teaching and encouragement and evangelism and faith and giving and healing and hospitality and leadership and tongues and mercy and miracles and helps and service and knowledge and pastoring and shepherding, all these things. And you just need to just... Get out there and serve, and sometimes it's trial and error. That's okay. It's good. And so there's also different levels of gifts. Number four, how do you know, uh, how do you, an implication of spiritual gifts is this. Is it, you need to cultivate and grow your gift. Cultivate and grow your gift. We get that. You get that in every area of your life where you're gifted in certain areas. You want to grow that area. So how can you build up the church if you never identify your gift and build up 
develop, grow your gift. This is God's way. And so perhaps you have the gift of communication. You're a communicator. You have the gift of teaching. Well, if that's you, you would develop that by studying and working and doing it and reading and watching YouTube talks and and continually giving yourself to develop in what God has given you to do there. And so, and there are times when, there are times, let me say this, we never have an attitude of like, oh, of that, like, that's not my gift, you know. I don't have the gift of cleaning toilets. I just have the gift of receiving hospitality. So keep it coming, baby. So a couple of weeks ago, all the pastors of Sanctuary Church, we painted the ministry center. Trust me, we don't have the gift of painting. If you take a close look at it, you can tell. But it just needed to be done. So we called today and we say we're going to paint it. But we don't have the gift. Sometimes you serve in areas maybe you're not gifted to serve in because the need presents. So, and then number five, it's all about you showing up and people's lives get transformed. By that I mean you just got to be available. You just have to be available there. God promises to bless your gift and what he would do through your gift. So if you just show up when you're a gift, and God's gift inside you then comes to expression there. It's like God supercharges it. God energizes the gift inside you. And you know what? When you exercise your gift, it doesn't tap you out, but you have a sense of, wow, I could do that again. That was I was stoked to do that. That was, that was really awesome. That was cool. So there's this thing that God does within you that stirs you that, hey, yeah, do that again. And so you're, you're affirmed. It's like you're affirmed by God. You're affirmed by others. And it breathes life into you when you do it. It's awesome. Number, verse 12 it says this. Remember the leaders now. Here's God's design, God's eternal design for the church. This is how the church is to roll right here. Verse 12. Their, who's there, it was those five leaders. Their responsibility is to equip, equip God's people, what? To cheer on the leaders? No, equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ. So the leaders then, watch this, so important. The leaders then are to equip for everyone here for the work there. Now, interesting, this word equip. Check this out, because this, this is huge. The word equip means this. It literally means to mend our brokenness. It means to prepare us for service. It means to, it literally means to put a broken bone back together. That's the mending, okay, the equipping that happens. Remember what I talked about? You come to community, you're broken. You find healing in community, and then When you find healing in community here, you're equipped, you're healed, you're mended, you're made straight there. And so, I'm going to illustrate it because you love love illustrations, don't you? And so, you come, this is a real bone here, this is a real bone, okay? You come, the Bible says, like this, broken. Habits, hang-ups, marriage issues, personal issues, porn issue, all kinds of issues here. You have all these issues here, baggage in your life. And so what God wants to do then is he, through community, okay, through here, is he puts you back together. 
That's what it is. He takes you from that broken, that's how all of us show up, no exceptions, and then he puts you back together. He mends you, so then you are mended, made straight, okay, strengthened, put back together, and then you're, you're able to use your gifts, make a difference in the world, make a difference here, build up the church. I hope you enjoyed that. So God gives us then, God gives us equippers, equippers that equip us, enable us, God's people chosen and called, so that you can then go out and do the work. Do the work. How transformative is that? So Jesus wants for the church, in your notes, number one, Jesus wants leadership to equip us to serve others. There it is. Serve others. That your best life is found on the other side of serving others. To heal, to mend, to make straight. Like setting a bone there. Healing us of our brokenness. God's people, it says here, then build up the church. How can you build up? How can, how can you build... How can, the build, how can you build a church when you show up like that? Really, how can you build anything when you show up like that? And so that's how you showed up. So after you come to find community, that's why you need community. There it is, baby. You're straight. Now God puts you back together so that we're never perfect, but he puts us back together so then we can be used to do his work. So here's the point. God uses people's gifts to build up people. But oftentimes we don't see it. We don't see the gifts that we have, but God sees it. So what Jesus wants for you is just to show up. Okay, so it's cool. God's doing all this stuff, and you can be a part of that journey. And you have an attitude like this. Your attitude is, God, here I am. Here's my life. Here's my time. Here's my my talents. Here's the gifts you're making real to me. And I want to give these to you, my abilities, and where can I help? Where can I help with what you are doing here? To love, to serve, to give in this community. Verse 13. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 the second point in your notes there is that Jesus wants us to become one people united in healing together in community. One people united healing together in community. Verse 13. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So here's what God wants for you. Here's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to become one people healing together in community, in unity. So the implications of this, the implications of coming to unity in our faith are the following. Number one. We're going to need to treat people differently. Have to treat people differently. Treat them with grace. We've talked about that. And how we treat one another increasingly more like God has treated us. Where grace receivers become grace dispensers. And we dispense God's grace in our relationships there. Now we all have things to work on. We all have things to work on. And so, but we want to treat one another more and more like Jesus treats us. We have to treat one another differently if we're ever going to have unity. Otherwise, it's just a dream. Number two, it's never easy. It's never easy to have unity because as soon as you show up and I show up, imperfect people show up, so it's never easy. 
Number three, it is a requirement that you have to buy in. It says that we will be mature in the Lord. And so this is how it happens. This is where we want to go. We're not here just to coddle and to entertain, but we're here to grow and become mature in him. And so it says here in the next verse, verse 14, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they, they sound like the truth. Jesus wants us to become mature. Now, how interesting is this, that what he uses to talk about those that aren't mature are children. And so what he's saying to the church is this. saying, look, you show up in your adult body, but you're still like a child. And if you are going to grow up, you can't continue that journey there. And so if we're to do a maturity diagnostic, how are, are we becoming more mature? Like, do we care about what goes on with our thought life? Do we care about our attitude? Does your attitude ever bother you when you get a bad attitude? That shows you're growing in maturity. Shows you're growing in maturity when your behavior, you, knew, you know you crossed the line there, and that bothers you. That's growing in maturity there. You know you're growing in maturity as a Christ follower when you're mindful of, how am I spending my time? Like, am I wasting my time? Am I being intentional with my time and directing my time? What about your ambitions? What are your ambitions? Are any of them like godly ambitions? Godly ambitions. What about the effect uh, that you have on the company that you keep? That's an expression of your maturity. How does, your, how does your presence affect other people? What about uh, just God shows you something that's, that's not right? Do you turn from that? Do you repent? These are all maturity diagnostics that we no longer be immature like children here. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 in your notes, Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. What did he put away? He put away, it's always someone else's fault. It's ne never my fault. Uh, always pass the blame. Uh, children, you know, always, what do children do? Always demanding their way. Always got to have their way. They're, they are their world. You know, they're just, they're just narcissistic, born that way. And so uh, making, maybe saying things that aren't true. Well, dad, mom said, dad said, you know, say, speaking accusations, childish ways, unreasonable expectations, childish ways, exaggerating, childish ways, entitlement, childish ways come to expression in our attitudes, childish ways. How about children being impatient? Okay. They're born impatient there. And so they're stubborn, childish ways. When, Paul says, that's how I began the journey. But as I began to mature, I began to put away I began to put away a decision. I became intentional about wanting to put away childish things. He's saying this, and it's so big. I just want you to grow up. I just want everybody to grow up here. You're a child. Now grow into what you've been called to be here. And verse 15, and instead, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body of the church. Speaking the truth in love. That has to do with the way that you speak, the manner that you speak. 
what you speak, the motive of your speech, the attitude of your speech. Sometimes you know how damaging our speech can be. How damaging can it be? He says, now speak the truth. Some of us, we don't like to speak the truth. We're very nice, we're loving and kind, but we don't like to speak the truth. And so we're not doing, he says, speak the truth. Sometimes truth can hurt there, but do it with grace. Do it with grace. Do it with a humble attitude. Do it motivated by love. Don't be blunt. Says being blunt is not speaking the truth in love. Bludgeoning people with truth. That is not speaking the truth in love there. So some tips for how to do this. To speak the truth in love. One, pray. Pray that you would have God's heart in communicating there before, during, after. Okay, make sure... What you, the speak you truth is what God wants you to speak there. Does he want you to speak that? Say what must be said, the truth. So in your notes there, Jesus wants you to speak the truth in love. Not being obnoxious, not being blunt, you know. So verse 16. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And it helps the other parts grow. We help others grow So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, full of love. And so in your notes, Jesus wants you to be healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy, growing. Growing no matter where you're at in your journey. If it's five days, five months, five years, or 50 years, he wants you to be growing in love, growing in health, growing in the love of Christ. So, Father, let's pray. And, Father, we thank you for your word, which truly, there's a lot there. There's a whole lot there. And, Father, I pray this morning that we would be on the path to becoming who you want us to be, chosen and forgiven, gifted people, healing community, grace expressing, becoming mature, speaking the truth in love, growing, healthy. Pray that you would do what only you could do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.